This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching now. We appreciate those watching for the very first time. And then we're happy to have those that watch every time we come on the air. Today we're going to be discussing the subject, Restoring the Spirit of Christ. Restoring the Spirit of Christ. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that subject. Now, we offer a free Bible correspondence course on getting to know your Bible. For the benefit of those who may be watching today for the very first time, we'd like to let you know how you can receive the course. And also, we want you to know a little bit more about the course itself. And why don't we pause now for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. reading now from Romans the 8th chapter and I begin reading in verse 9. But you're not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he is not his. And if Christ is in you the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The distinctive plea of churches of Christ is to go back to the Bible and to speak where it speaks, to be silent where the Bible is silent, to restore New Testament Christianity. Uh, We make an appeal to such passages as 1 Peter 4 and 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And we encourage men in the language of Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. Walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. We can restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. And by going back to the Bible, we can restore the plan of salvation as it was taught in the New Testament. When we do, we learn that men must have faith in Christ. John 1 verses 11 and 12 tell us that Christ came to His own, and His own received Him not. But but as many as received Him, to, to them He gave the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So belief on the name of Jesus Christ is an essential part of becoming a New Testament Christian. And then we learn in studying the Bible and going back to the Bible that repentance of one's sins is important. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent and be converted that your sins be blotted out. So not only must we become a believer, and we must be willing to repent of our sins. 
Then according to Romans the 10th chapter, verses 9 and 10, one must confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 9 and verse 10 that uh, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we restore the plan of salvation, we learn that one must believe in Jesus Christ and believe in his name. We must repent of our sins, but we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Furthermore, in restoring the plan of salvation, we learn from the New Testament that one is to be baptized. 1 Peter 3, verse 21 reads, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in summary, in restoring New Testament Christianity, restoring first century Christianity in 21st century, when we restore the plan of salvation, we should teach people to believe on Christ, repent of their sins, confess their faith in Christ, and to be baptized. But also we can restore the way men worshiped in the first century, and we do that in the 20, we can restore it in the 21st century. In John, the fourth chapter, in verse 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What did people do in the early church to worship God? One of the things they did was to sing praises to God, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, Ephesians 5 and verse 19. Also in early worship, that is in the worship of the early church, the first century church, not only did they sing without the use of any kind of a mechanical instrument, but there was prayer that was offered to God Almighty. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, I will that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And that passage regulates the men lifting up prayers to God in the assembly. And then we not only are to do that, but we are to give to God on the Lord's day as we've prospered, as God's blessed us. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, on the first day of the week, when upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So in restoring worship, and when we worship God today by doing what they did in the first century, we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we pray to God, and we give of our means on the Lord's day. And then we are to partake of the Lord's Supper. But that's the way they did it in the first century church. In Acts chapter 20 and 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. And so we can restore New Testament Christianity today, the plan of salvation, the way that we are to worship, and we can even restore the name that early people wore. They wore the name of Christ. The disciples were called Christians. 
they were called Christians. And first that was done at Antioch, Acts 11 and verse 26. And we need today in the 21st century to restore first century Christianity in our world today. I believe that that is a very valid plea. I think it's a relevant plea. And we do that by going back to the doctrine of Christ. Doctrine is important. We need a thus saith the Lord for what we do in matters of faith. Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. That's bound in 2 John and verse 9. The greatest need in Christians is for them to be more like Jesus. And that's valid today. Our plea is to go back to the Bible and to do Bible things in Bible ways. And we need to go back to the Bible to learn how Jesus lived his life. We need to live that way today to be more Christ-like. The, things that makes us, the thing that really makes us love Jesus is the fact that Jesus was loving, Jesus was forgiving, Jesus was kind, and Jesus practiced what he preached. He, he did what he taught others to do. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. We become like Jesus, not by what we teach about baptism, not by what we teach about the Lord's Supper, not what we teach about uh, uh, music in worship. We become like Jesus by our attitude, by our spirit. And it is important to restore things like the plan of salvation, how we, what we should call ourselves and how we should worship. But we also need to restore the spirit of Jesus Christ. In Romans 8 and 9, Paul said, If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now let me ask you a question. How important is doctrine? We just read a passage from 2 John verse 9 that if you do not have the doctrine of Christ, you do not have the Father, you do not have the Son. But if you have the doctrine of Christ, you have both the Father and the Son. To have the right doctrine without the Spirit of Christ is dead. To have the Spirit of Christ without the right doctrine is dead. You know, there are some things that are just bound. Jesus and the church are bound. You cannot separate them. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 1, 22, 23, there the Bible says, hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. There's absolutely no way to separate Jesus from the church. They are bound. Baptism and remission of sins are bound. Listen to Acts 2 and verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So baptism and remission of sins cannot be separated when it comes to salvation. They are bound. Worship in spirit and truth are bound. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But listen to me, the right doctrine and the right attitude 
are also bound. I believe that there is a famine today, a dearth in the land. And that is a lack of the spirit or the attitude or the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said again. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, we've got the right doctrine. We're teaching the right plan of salvation. And we're talking teaching the right thing when it comes to marriage and divorce and remarriage. And Brother Lambert, we're teaching people how to worship God and do it the right way and, and do it by according to the truth of God. But do we have the right spirit about us? Do we have the spirit and the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we can't have the right attitude if we don't have the right attitude, we may have the right doctrine and we'll still be wrong. We can be far more attractive to other people so far as the, the teaching of the Lord is concerned if we have the right spirit. And if you don't, you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the right spirit, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, it is important to have the right doctrine. But it is much the doctrine of Christ to have the mind of Christ and the attitude of Christ and the spirit of Christ as it is to be right about baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we need to talk about having the right spirit, the right attitude, the right mind. Well, why is it, do you suppose that sometimes we don't stress these matters. Well, I think sometimes our main emphasis has been on doctrine and not the beautiful spirit that Jesus Christ wants us to have. I think there's something missing in the lives of some folk in the church today, and it's joy. Joy. Listen to Paul in Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. You know, being a preacher, I, I happen to see a lot of expressions on people when I'm standing up in the pulpit preaching. If I'm where I preach on Sundays as a rule, and or maybe I'm out in a, a gospel meeting somewhere, and I, I see all kinds of expressions on people's faces. And I see some sitting there with almost kind of a deadpan look on their face. They seem kind of spaced out like their body is there but the mind is somewhere else. You see, there's something missing there. When we are in a worship service, for example, and we're singing praises to God, that, that ought to, our joy that is in our hearts ought to show not only in the enthusiasm of our singing, but it ought to show in our face as well. We're to have the right doctrine. But brother, you're to have the right spirit as well. How important is this? How important is it to have the spirit of Jesus Christ? Have you ever met a person 
that you thought was the most Christ-like person you had ever met. And just being around that individual makes you feel close to God. You see, I've known people like that. A person that I'm thinking of now that, that, that I felt that way about was a late Gus Nichols, gospel preacher. I think one of the finest gospel preachers that I have ever known. He was known throughout the brotherhood of the churches of Christ from one coast to the other. And to be around Brother Gus Nichols was to be around someone that you knew was a very spiritually minded person. Let me ask you, have, have you ever had someone come in your home like that? And did it make you nervous? It make you nervous to have somebody like that come in your home? I heard about a woman had the preacher over her house for a meal. And she called on her little five-year-old boy to pray. And, she, and then he says, well, what, what shall I say, mother? He said, you just say what you've heard mommy say. And so he prayed, dear God, why have we had the preacher over here today? Well, now, does it make you nervous to have some person come into your home that you know is, is living a godly life? Does it make you nervous to be around people like that? I, I've been places where I, I knew some things were going on, you know, that, that ought not to have been going on. And then when I would come around, they, they knew I was a preacher. And, and then after I would come around, they, they'd get a little nervous. Get a little nervous. I remember visiting in a hospital one time and uh, there was a lady in the room and, and she said some things that she ought not to have said. Oh, she said, I ought not to have said that with a preacher here. I said, don't mind me. God is the one that you need to be concerned about. Would you be nervous to have Jesus come home with you? You know, Jesus often went home with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I just don't believe that they were all concerned about how clean the house was. Don't, you don't, you, we really don't like to be around a person that got their halo on a little bit too tight, do we? Jesus was a, was a person that you want to be like. And we need to have the spirit, we need to have the mind and the attitude of Jesus Christ. Suppose that I had a, a guest speaker on getting to know your Bible. And suppose that uh, he began to teach something that I didn't believe that the Bible taught. I just didn't believe it was right. And you say, well, he was a, he's a good man and he seems to know a lot about the Bible. Yes, but, but, but suppose I were to tell you that what he said is not right. It cannot be substantiated with the Bible. For example, suppose he said, Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't born of a virgin. Now, how would I feel? How would that make you feel? How would I act and how would you react? Somebody says, I can tell you what, Brother Lambert. First of all, I don't believe you'd have anybody on your program that would say that. Well, you're right about that. But if you did and you let it get by, and if I could get my hands on him, 
I'd explain to him, Brother Lambert, why he shouldn't have said that because I think I'd, I'd just choke him. You know, if we're not careful, our reaction to false teaching can be just as sinful as the false teaching. We're to have the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now here's a question for you to think about. How would Jesus act and react? How would Jesus react to hungry people? How would Jesus react to those who, who turn back and walk with him no more? If Jesus were here today, just what would he do? What would he do? And the important thing for us to realize, he wants us to be just like him. He left us an example. That's one of the reasons he came into the world, not only to die, but to leave us an example that we ought to follow, to imitate. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For hereunto were you called, but Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And we need to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you suppose would happen to the community where you live? What would happen to your home? What would happen to the church of the Lord today if we not only get the right teaching, but we get the right spirit? We get the right attitude. And it would be an attitude of love. It would be an attitude of forgiveness. It would be an attitude of kindness and pity and compassion. That's what Jesus was like. And we need to have the mind, the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen again to Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind in you this attitude in you, this disposition in you, this spirit in you, which was all so in Christ Jesus. And so we're to have his mind, we're to have his attitude, we're to have his spirit. I know that you have seen uh, news reports, maybe in the, some news magazine, maybe the newspaper, maybe on the television, about a, a shroud that they think Jesus was wrapped in. And, and on that shroud, there seems to be some kind of an image. And there's been a great debate for a quite a number of years as to whether or not that's the image of Christ and as to whether or not that was Jesus' burial cloth. Some think that it was his burial cloth. Some think that it's not his burial cloth. I, I'm inclined to think that it wasn't, but that's really beside the point. It doesn't make any difference if it was or was not. The image of Jesus Christ that we need to become concerned about is the image of Jesus Christ in our personal lives. I don't think any of us are going to deny that, that the world that we live in has a lot of hate in it. Lots of hate. Not only just nationally, but internationally one group of people hates another group of people one nation hates another nation 
I don't think any of us would deny the fact that, that, that one of the reasons that homes deteriorate is because there's a, a lack of love in those homes and, there, and that love that had once thrived in that home now has turned to hatred. But I want you to stop and you think what a difference it would make not only in our world, but what a difference it would make in your family and what a difference it would make in your personal life, what a difference it would make on your job, what a difference it would make at school, what a difference it would make in the church of our Lord if at all times we would stop and ask the question when we're in a, a given situation, now just how would Jesus do this? What would Jesus think? You see, I'm to walk as he walked, 1 John 2, verse 6. Follow in his footsteps, act like him, have his mind, his disposition. Do, do people that know you think of you as being like Jesus Christ? Are you as Jesus Christ would have you to be? You see, Jesus wants you to be His. And you can become one of His now. And if you're not Christ-like, become more like Him today. I'd encourage you to become a Christian by believing on Christ, by repenting of your sins, by confessing your faith in Him, by being baptized into Him, for the forgiveness of your sins, and by living a faithful, dedicated Christian life, by being kind to others and loving to other people, and, and showing others what Jesus Christ really means to you. So if you're not a Christian, become one today. Become one today. Become a follower of Jesus who loved you, and who died for you. I want to thank you for watching our telecast today. And right now, I want to give you a very special invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You're going to find people who are striving to have the mind of Jesus. They're striving to be like Christ. None of us are perfect, that is. None of us are go, have attained that, to, that goal to perfection in this life. Well, we're doing everything that we can to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also now, may I encourage you to pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible correspondence course. Don't hesitate about it at all. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, 
Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 711 5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.